Hello and welcome to the Bilderbard Workshop. My name is Stephen. And my name is Simon. We're not experts, but we're here to take you through building a character in Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition. We have a list of rules that we work from when building a character which are as follows. We'll be randomly rolling a race, class and subclass using D&D Beyond's randomizer feature and seeing what we come up with separately. The goal is not necessarily to build the most efficient character, but to build an interesting one. It has to be a level 5 character, with a minimum of 3 levels in the class we've been assigned. We use standard array stats so that anyone can replicate these builds, and the standard racial bonuses. Not because we agree with them, but because it's part of the challenge. We'll be using official D&D branded Wizards of the Coast books only, excluding books written for specific worlds like Rick and Morty, Critical Role, and Acquisitions Incorporated. Feats will be allowed instead of ASIs, as will optional class features from Tasha's. To reflect that they're level 5, characters will have their class and background starting equipment, 100 gold to spend on gear, and one uncommon or lower magic item. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the show. Right, so, uh, how do you want to do this? Should we introduce our characters first? Or I thought, I thought you said no critical role content. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Oh, God. It's off to a great start. I'm sorry, Dimension 20 fans. So, you chose the Aladrin Way of Shadow Monk. I did. What did you feel before you started rolling? Like, before you even put finger to screen? I was really hoping that it would just be something clear-cut, like Oath of Vengeance, Paladin, and, like... You know, a half orc or a um, earth genasi, yes, or a bard, <laughs> uh, or an earth genasi, or something that could that I could just go. All right, this is an easy one. Take polar master, take great weapon master, have fun, yeah. go to sleep. Instead, I have Umeris Ethanasath. I did not come up with this. I hit the randomizer because I wanted to see what it would come up with. We've both gone with very Brennan Lee Mulligan names. You know, you know. The, this the is dimension- just the randomised man. I didn't come up with this. The, the dimension, tw- you know, the dimension twenty character who's always like uh, tenages. Mm, all right. No, it's pronounced teenagers. You're literally just repeating what we've said. Ten tenages. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you do any multiclassing? Oh, I. Before we start, did you do any multiclassing? I didn't do any multiclassing. The experiments in multiclassing that I did ended up influencing the backstory of the character Uh but I ended up realizing that mechanically most of the things that I could achieve by with two levels of druid or two levels of ranger I could achieve just through kind of tweaking the backstory Mm -hmm. makes sense okay so should we start with stats yeah what was your distribution my stat distribution plus one strength plus three dex Mm -hmm. plus one constitution Plus one intelligence, plus two wisdom, and plus zero charisma. Okay. I have plus one strength, Mm -hmm. plus four dex, plus two con, zero intelligence, or zero bonus to intelligence, plus two wisdom, and minus one to charisma. Okay. And I leaned in... We chose the Way of Shadow Monk. Yeah. And thematically... I leaned into what can I do with the shadows, okay? As an Aladrin, you get the face step ability. Yeah. So I've picked, mine is a winter Aladrin. Yeah. 
And what a winter lantern's face step does is when you use it, the person, if I'm, if I'm getting this correct, it's the person near to you when you do it, you can force the character nearest to you before you take the step to do a wisdom saving throw, I think it is, and if they fail, they are frightened of you. Mm. Okay. Also, you can teleport to darkness at some point as a way of shadow monk. And you and for two key points, you can cast to darkness. So I leaned into this and Umeris, I am not pronouncing the last name again. <laughs> Umeris can set up a piece of shadow, teleport into said shadow, face step out of it again, not misty step, but face step out of it again, cause fear to the person within the shadow hmm. who cannot now fight back or find their way out or see. And then I was going to take as a fourth level feat Eldritch Adept and take the Eld Eldritch Adept gives you a warlock invocation and I was going to take Devil's Sight. Okay. So that I could see in the darkness that I create. I was going to do that, but I multiclassed and I have taken one level of Ranger. Okay. And this one level of Ranger, I felt I, I, I ordinarily I would have gone to level five and just said, hey, this is a level five character. I want my extra attack. However, monks already get an extra attack, so I'm not missing out on too much. Because when I take my third level of Ranger, I'm going to pick Gloomstalker, who can see in magical darkness anyway. Okay. So in the first turn, I have, once I get my extra attack, I can do three attacks as an attack action. Yeah. And then two key points for Flurry of Blows mm -hmm. uh, as a bonus action. Or I can face step away, or I can step of the wind. So my character is moving in and out of combat really, really efficiently. Okay. To the point where I don't need, quote-unquote, to take mobility. The mobile feet, sorry. Yeah. It's all about, I get in there, and even if I do no damage, I face step out, that person's frightened. If it's the biggest person, and I can frighten them, wicked. If I can't frighten them, then I can get in three attacks and two as a bonus action. If I if I wanted to go that way, maybe stunning strike them at level f get level five I think. And I also took because I had to do something controversial for the first episode that we do. Uh, there is a ranger optional class feature called favored foe. Right. And usually people don't recommend it. Hello, Frodo. The dog has arrived. Hello, pod dog. Pod dog. Come on, dog pod. Come up here. Come on, buddy. Put your head in there. Oh my goodness. You cannot lick my entire face the entire time. Most people would say, if you're going to take Ranger, take Hunter's Mark. Mm. But because you have to move it as a bonus action, it actually doesn't stack well with Flurry of Blows or the um, the Unarmed Strike that yeah. you get as a bonus action. So, Favoured Foe, when you hit a creature with an attack roll, you can mark that target as a favoured enemy. Yeah. So, once I'm level 8 and I've got my my extra attack and I've got my Gloomstalker Ranger yeah. programmed in, on the first round, that's three attacks dealing 1d8 plus 1d4 and then two key points to Flurry of Blows to do, at that stage, I think, it's, I think it would just have gone to 1d6 for unarmed strikes, 1d6 plus 1d4. For, so that on the first turn, that's five attacks dealing an extra 1d4 damage. Yeah. That's the that's the build I'm going for. I also... Oh, no, um, the run-arm strike would be a... Yeah, it would be a d6 by that point. Run-arm strike is a d6. Well, it would be a d6 by that point. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I know that's further on than we've built, but I wanted to include that level of ranger so that like yeah. this is the direction <clears throat> I would be going in for this character's future. Yeah, yeah. So four levels of Shadow Monk, and because they're a ranger, I now get access to martial weapons, and I took a rapier. So Point. because they're a ranger, they have a rapier, mm-hmm. and because they're a monk and with optional features, that can be their dedicated weapon. Yeah. So when when you get Gloomstalker as well, on your first turn, that is one d eight for three attacks, plus one d four. So that's only on the first attack. That's only on the first turn. So in the first right. turn, you get three attacks, each getting one plus one d four, and then you flurry of blows for an additional one d four. So I. Th- I think I can do that as on most of the turns as long as I as long as I do stunning strike with the one that I've got. I'm pretty sure I've misunderstood a rule. Right, that's yeah. fine. That's fine. So, Aladrin get the elven weapon training mm-hmm. which gives you the long sword as a weapon. So that's 1d8 uh blah, 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 blah. the blah, 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 blah. Yeah, the blah, 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 blah. the dedicated weapon that is which on page is page 5. And 112 of the DMG. Blah 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 blah. Whenever you finish a short or long rest, you can touch one weapon. Count that weapon as a monk weapon until. You, so it's not something you need to do. I was pleased that you don't need to do it every rest because that is ex- that is exactly the kind of thing that I would forget to mention yeah, after yeah. doing a rest. I, I don't know if you've done it once. I think your DM yeah. should. If you, yeah. if you turn to your DM and say, DM, by the way, I am doing uh, yeah. every day. Because yeah. why would I not... You know, I don't want to tell you about it. It's just what's going to automatically yeah, yeah, be yeah. there. Yeah. The weapon must be a simple or martial weapon. So it's a martial... It is a martial weapon that you are proficient with. Again, because it's a ladrin, you're already proficient with it. You don't need yeah, yeah. to take the things in anything. And must lack the heavy and special properties. So the thing that I'm going to dispute that I'm not sure about is it says it must lack the heavy and special properties. It doesn't, unlike the other monk clarifications it doesn't specify that you can't use it two-handed versatile is absolutely fine so you can use a versatile longsword yes so you can do d10 damage you can do d10 damage right in that case key fueled attack uh this is one of tasha's cauldron of bullshit rules (laughs) 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 i'll just i'll just let that sink in oh tasha's cauldron of bullshit If you spend one key point or more as part of your action on your turn, you can make one attack with an unarmed strike or a monk weapon as a bonus action before the end of the turn. Right. So because I'm a level five monk, that's two strikes for my action. And as long as I attempt, as long as I use stunning strike, that's a key point. And it says at least one key point. So that should mean that I can then use as a bonus action my longsword to do the extra attack, which means that's... Three, three attacks at D10. Now, what you were saying about running around the battlefield like a bell end as a monk, I did take mobile, uh-huh. which means as long as I attempt to hit on each thing that I come across, and as long as I've got a generous DM that allows me to split those attacks, I know some DMs interpret rules as written as you have to attack the same person twice for your action and then but a lot of people let you split it so if you split it or also because i've got mobile i've got 50 foot of walking speed. wow okay yeah so that means i can run up to the first person attack them because i've attacked them uh let me just check mobile that i don't do i need to have hit with mobile or do i just need to have melee attacked them 
I think it's just attack. When you make a melee attack yeah. against a creature. So all I need to do is run up to the first person, make an attack, swing and miss, doesn't matter. Next one, swing and miss. But if I attempt a stunning strike with it, I spent a key point, which means I can run onto the third person and make my so third strike. you know what strike. you could do instead? What? Because you can only do, if I'm correct, you can only do stunning strike if you hit. So if you missed with both attacks, you mm. wouldn't be able to use that extra attack. Yes, with a stunning weapon. strike is when you hit with a melee weapon attack. So if you missed right. with both, you wouldn't get that third attack. Mm. However, there is an optional rule in Tasha's which allows you to spend a key point. It might be at later level, yeah. but it does allow you to spend a key point to add plus two to an attack roll. Yes, there is that one. So if you missed with those first two attacks... And you're within three points of hitting... Plus two. You've got your third. And even if you haven't got the third D10, you've got two D6 unarmed strikes. That's only you still have to spend a key point for that. Yeah, you'd have to spend a key point, but you'd get that for your uh, flurry of blows, for your two unarmed yeah, attacks. Yeah, you'd, you'd, you'd have to spend target. the key point for So the flurry even of blows. if you don't have the D10, you still have another two unarmed strikes, which I'm assuming have to be against the same opponent. No. So in that case, you could in theory hit four targets in one turn. Mm. Because it's one bonus action, mm. one would assume that does actually have to be the same. But That's you could still hit three. And the good thing about yeah. that is you can hit three targets for as long as you have key points. Yeah, yeah. You can keep pulling that bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> like, your, yours is a spectacular first turn. I tend to build characters for when I run out of points I, so for doing that's, things. That's fair. So I, I tend to want to build characters that can sustain an above average. Mm -hmm. So, like, when I was building, I, I spotted some of those rules as well, but my thinking was, like, I'm only going to be able to do this once. Like, with the face the face step, it's... I mean, the, the good thing about face step is you it get is it once. back on a short rest. Oh, do you get it back on a short rest? It's long or short, yeah. So you get it back on a short rest, which is really good. Oh, yes, yeah. But... Um, I misread that. I thought it was just long rest. Well, that's what I mean. It's, it, it, yeah, you can you can get away with it more often since it's short rest. However... It, However, it does an Aladrin should be in Warlock because they get all their bullshit back on a short rest. Mm. So an Aladrin Warlock, I know this is not the point, but an Aladrin Warlock is short rest city. You took a feat at level four, you just said. Mobile. I did not. I took the ASI. Yeah. I took the ASI to round off my dexterity and my wisdom scores. Mm. And if you're running this character, say at level three. Yeah. So you, you start at level three with an Aladrin Shadow Monk. I would highly recommend doing that because your AC goes up by two at fourth mm. level. Yeah. And you go from 14 to 16 just as you start going from plus two proficiency bonus to plus three proficiency bonus. So you, you, you've added a plus one because mobile raises you. Oh, so that's just mobile. from the 17. Yeah, mo mobile. Oh, uh, right. Yeah, I, I, got the, I got 16 decks just from the standard uh, stats, just from the standard array. Where'd you put your 15? Oh no, intelligence is, you get plus one intelligence, plus two dex. This is one thing that I meant to say before. I've, I went with, you just said uh, Aladrin. I went with Aladrin Variant, which is from the DM's guide. That's the only ah, one okay. I've got access to. Is there an Alad, is there a set there of There is an Aladrin stuff? from... I thought there might be in Feywild. Do you know what we should have done, Simon, that yeah. would have been sensible? Um, we should have made a group on D&D Beyond that we're not 
uh, yeah. shilling. Content. We we, we should, should have content, content shared. Yeah. It's a plus one. This is the thing. Like, put in my in my. I have got stuff to do with the summer and spring court, mm. but it's purely fluff in mine. Okay. I didn't realise that there. Uh, I There's didn't, four. I didn't know that there was extra abilities that they could have that reflected the yeah. different courts. So in in modern Canaan's you've got Eladrin and there's the f- so you've you've not only are they a subrace of elf you mm. can then choose per long rest i think what face step they have ah right okay so because they're infused with the fey wild that you you can have one who's just like no i'm 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 a moany bitch i'm i'm i'm, <laughs> I'm winter or you can have someone who's like i've woken up this morning i'm autumnal mm. oh going to bed i think it's a spring mood tomorrow i've had a nice rest yeah. so yeah, okay. Well, that's really interesting, though, because you only get a plus one dex. It's complicated because on the listing on D&D Beyond, it just says that you get plus one intelligence, but when actually building the character, it's plus two dex and one plus one intelligence. But where's your 15 from Standard Array? Uh, right, let me go into editing, and I'll show you how it's constructed once it loads. So, uh, abilities, that's strength, 12 for 12. Oh, you've done 12. point by... Yes, I thought that was what we were. I thought we were doing point by so that people uh, did. I ah, uh, see. In, well, right, okay. So what's standard standard array is it's you 15, have to, 14, 13, 12, 10, 8. Right, okay. So the I, reason I chose standard array, yeah, or the reason I mentioned, I didn't choose it. I, I'm yeah. not telling people what to do. The reason I mentioned standard array is because the spread is such that you have one really good stat. You put the 14 in Constitution. <laughs> and then you've got your tertiary stat is your 13. Yeah. And then you've got 12, 10, and 8 to go, I'm stupid, I'm sort of wise, but I'm really charismatic, or I'm really intelligent. Yeah, I I misunderstood that. If you did say standard array, for some reason I went with point five. Well, that's your standard. No, but that's, but yeah. what's interesting there is that what, that what you chose to do is put 14s in the three main stats you're going to use dex con whiz mm. and you haven't had the stupid problem that i've had which is for the first three levels of this character your ac is 14 which is why are you sniffing my belly button not simon's not the do- frodo mm. that's the my face and then i get a, a jump at level four yep. for, for plus two to ac let me have a look because i've i'm still on 15 ac what are you you're on 16 16 okay yeah do you happen to remember off the top of your head what it is that Spring uh, Aladrin get? I've chosen one who is seems to be Spring at the moment, mm-hmm. but is dodging Summer but again for fluff reasons. It, it, it's weird because I just I just put the Spring Summer thing in there as a, a bit of fluff. So Springs is you can teleport someone else to an unoccupied space of your choice that you can see that you can see within thirty feet of you. Well, as we admirably demonstrated in our last home game, the ability to teleport somebody else is incredibly useful. <laughs> what was that? That that was when I basically just fluffed every single move. I should say, oh, we, yeah, have, so we have a home game where I'm playing as a sorcerer. We had a game where we had two owlbears were attacking a baby pegasus. We had determined, obviously, we wanted to rescue the baby pegasus. I moved towards the baby your, pegasus. Your partner 
was not so adamant that we saved the baby Pegasus. I moved towards the Pegasus and then realised upon looking up Misty Step that I couldn't teleport somebody else. <laughs> so then I found myself as a sorcerer having basically run into combat, had to run around <laughs> combat. Somebody else got themselves into trouble. I nearly got an opportunity to try out with to try out my new Wither and Bloom. And then unfortunately she moved away from the enemies so I couldn't use Wither and Bloom. Uh, because she was out of the range of it and then I was just kind of standing there so I decided to try and hit an owl bear for non-lethal damage with a dagger. So I basically just whiffed every single I, decision in that combat. You see what's what's really interesting is that when it comes to when it comes to teleportation, I leaned right into the teleportation part of my monk. I'm just going to look up when shadow monks get their teleport between shadows because I don't actually think it's that late. Yeah. Wave shadow. At six, you can step from one shadow into another. When you're in dim light or darkness, as a bonus action, you can teleport up to 60 feet to an occupied space. Okay. Yeah. Like, we're saying a level five character simply because trying to build a level 20 character and talk about a level 20 character gets really boring really quick. Whereas a level five character, we can say, oh, yeah, and then eventually you want to do this when you get this feature sometime in the future. Yeah. Um, so what magic item did you take? More because it fit the fluff of the character, I yeah. chose the long sword of warning. Right. The main advantage is that it gives advantage on in initiative rolls, which are already at plus three because of mm. this character's decks. In addition, you and any companions within thirty feet of you can't be surprised except when incapacitated by something other than magic, non-magical sleep, which obviously Aladrin are resistant to, to in the first place yeah. uh, the weapon magically awakens you and your companions within range if any of you are sleeping naturally when combat begins so it gives you a good chance of not being surprised which I'll get into I, I, I don't did you work on any fluff or backstory for yours um, broadly broad, okay. broad strokes I, I mean it's to be pointed out that you are a writer and, yeah. and, and have, a, have a degree I, sh I should also sort of clarify that up front. My, my characters will largely be fluff based. So if there's an obvious, you know, piece of cheese that I miss out on, it may be that I've done that for, for character reasons rather than for... I mean, also probably I didn't think of it or I didn't <laughs> know about it. But also, like primarily, my focus will be to create a rounded character as in a character that could be in a book or a TV show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So because it was Way of Shadow Monk, mm. I went full, like, Tommy Maguire, Spider-Man 3 Ooh. emo face. <laughs> Including the dance. Pro... <laughs> Yes. So for the background, I chose Urban Bounty Hunter. Okay. And this is partly why I took Gloomstalker as well. So originally I was going to take Rogue and just be like, haha, monk with sneak attack. However, thinking about it, I went, hang on, I'm wasting a feat on getting dark vision, where if I take three levels of ranger, mm. I get a fighting style, I get martial weapons, and I get being able to see in magical, all magical darkness. Yeah, and like crazy dark vision that's like 120 feet or something it might not actually be that much it might be 60 but it's still it's still really good so my idea for this character is that they are an urban bounty hunter who is trying to make up for what they have done what mm. that what they have done is as yet undetermined so since they're a monk maybe it's that they were part of a particular um, monk temple 
or mm. if, if we're going for the, the more traditional Chinese uh, fluff with that flavour with that they are a monk of some description and they have stolen or dishonoured their name the, the name of their, their clan that's the word I'm looking for yeah um, and they have now taken to the streets and because they lurk in the dark and they're trying to make up for it by taking on bigger and bigger bad guys that lurk in the dark mm. using the, the skills they already have so that's why they're kind of part monk, part ranger. That's as far as I got with fluff. The thing that I find interesting about that is I think I discussed with you ages ago about there was a character that build that I was working on, which was essentially Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock, where yeah, yeah. primarily they're an investigator from a, a sort of city watch background, but they're also, they have monk abilities, but I didn't want them to, I almost didn't want key mm. because I didn't want them to be mystical monk. I wanted them to be just somebody who had studied martial arts mm -hmm. and kept up the practice of martial arts on their own. Uh, which is something that I find interesting with monks about fluff wise there's so much in there there's always so much there about sort of the monastic traditions yeah, and that's the what training and things like yeah. that and it's you very rarely get monks that are just monks because they're good at kicking ass like almost like someone like Bruce Lee who's broken it down from the mystic traditions to just this stance works because it protects against this this and this yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That, that sort of thing like almost someone who's studied the science of martial arts rather than or the, the um, mysticism of martial there's arts. There's uh, like ergonomics, isn't it? There's someone will know, but there's like a specific. I, f I feel like calis calisthenics. Uh, I wanted to uh, say that's that. For, that's for exercises, studying the movements of the body. There is a word for it. There's a word for it, but we'll go yeah. with calisthenics for the moment. Yeah. But like you know, who studied the? Oh well, if I put this here, this is this is how the weight distributes, yeah. etc. Yeah. You can take the brawler fighting style. It's got a name. It's not brawler. It's Ta there's tavern brawler is, but that's, that's a strength based. That's a feat. Strength based feat. Indeed, but there is another one which is. Oh, ta yeah, Tasha's got um, added one that gives you a flat d6, which but just the d8. Is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm going to check. There was one that I was looking at which gave you a flat d6, which I thought that would be useful if I was taking Ranger with that fighting style because. It would kind of make up for not being level five. It is sorry. It is a d6. Is a d6. Okay. Oh no 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 no! Oh. If you aren't wielding any weapons or a shield when you make the attack roll, the d6 becomes a d8. So it, we're both right. Oh well, there you go. Right. So the backstory that I've done mm -hmm. for Anya Ayeri. That is some Steve level bullshit. There. Well, uh, just look at how many accents there are there. I went a bit, <laughs> I went a bit crazy <laughs> with the the accents on the name. But anyway, uh, Anya Anieri is a Feywild-born Eladrin mm -hmm. who is swiftly approaching the end of the first quarter of their life. Their hair and eyes have already taken on the fiery hues of the House of Scarlet, the monastic order of the Summer Court who tricked them as a child. Instead of accepting a place in the legions of the Solstice Dancers, Anya has, has escaped to the Prime Material Plane, where every ounce of their martial training and newfound powers of shadow will be utilised in a desperate escape from the Hunters of the, sh of the Summer Court. That's really interesting. Can Anya avoid the Hunters until the Conjunction passes and the bloody ritual of the Solstice Ball passes without their initiation? Or is the greater danger the newfound powers of shadow they turn to in desperation? The idea is that the reason that I chose mobility and movement and things like that is because this is someone who is running away. Oh, right. Yeah, this okay. is, yeah, this yeah. is someone who is running away from a group of hunters. So if they fight, again, mobility makes sense fluff-wise because 
they're going to be dancing around trying not to get caught. Mm. One thing that I'll be interested in is obviously it sounds like uh, Wild Beyond the Witchlight has refined the idea of the Fey Courts slightly or it sounds like there's been a lot more clarification because this was just reading the wiki article on Eladrin and reading the DM's guide about Eladrin. I, I wasn't oh, aware, interesting, I wasn't aware that there was a whole other load of fluff about the summer courts. So if I've under misunderstood like how spring, summer and the spring and summer oh, courts One work. assumes that the, the summer court takes spring under its wing and the winter takes autumn under its wing. Because mm. I know that that's Stephen's obscure video game mention of the week. In <laughs> Kingdoms of Amala, hey. which is written by um, R.A. Salvatore, who writes Dritzt. Lovely guy. Uh, <laughs> cracks me up, man. I watched an interview with him and he's like, he's massive, he's huge. Right, I'm I'm tall. I'm six foot six, but he's a big guy. He's a big lad, and he's like got a proper, you know, kind of gruff accent as well. And he's like, well, I'm a writer, and I used to be a bouncer, so I, because I'm a word guy, I used to get around it without having to get a punch up. And I'm like, man, you could punch me through my face. <laughs> like, if you punched me, it would leave a hole. He's <laughs> humongous. I'm sure he's lovely. I, I don't want to diss R. A. Salvatore. Anyway, in King Kingdom Samuel Reckoning, they make a point that the summer and spring courts are two different things mm. um, and that there are different houses within that Yeah, but primarily it's the Tuatha Isa and the Tuatha Deon and the Deon represent um, it's very much light and dark yeah, it's, it? but it's also growth and uh, and decay Yeah, and you know the, the autumnal fae in that at the very least mm. are the start of decay and the uh, Tuathodion are the result of decay, the the completion of it. Yeah. So I suppose one imagines the spring court is the start of rebirth, and the summer is the culmination of rebirth. Yeah, I sort of imagined in the particular sort of version of the multiverse this character comes from is that like the summer court is just there are parts of it that are dedicated to like. When I use the word orgy, I don't mean it in a sexual sense. I mean it in like a, an orgy of violence in the sense that it, it is a non-stop fight, like non-stop battle. Yeah, and yeah, this yeah. character just doesn't want to be part of that. It was something that no, they right, were right. tricked into. So they're, they're very much for, of the attitude of like they are running away and they are trying to run away for long enough that this initiation ceremony passes and you know the the summer court lose their opportunity to to initiate them i think and i this is an i think with a heavy caveat of i don't know yeah i think there is a line somewhere in wild beyond the witchlight or i have read somewhere else maybe it was when i was reading about the domains of delight that was available on dm's guild hmm. that just because the feywild is a place of like unbridled joy and is this constant party basically hmm. doesn't mean it's not absolutely bloody terrifying <laughs> i mean that's to borrow a phrase from sort of mental health i mean a lot of people assume that mania is just high mood but it's it's a high mood taken to extremes, extremes yes absolutely. and in that sense you know it, it can be a high mood that causes damage to a person's life yeah actually um, when i was much younger so simon and i know each other because I am Do friends. <laughs> Hopefully, <laughs> otherwise I've just broken into your house and we've started recording a podcast. I've known Simon's wife since I was about fi sixteen, not fifteen, sixteen, and I didn't understand what manic depression was 
we don't call it that anymore. We call it bipolar disorder. But you know, at the time, yeah, that was still a word that was happily bandied about. That's what I mean. I <laughs> I, I use the word, and that word has that history. Yeah, so. yeah. But like your wife explained to me, sorry, that mania could be. Why well, I'm going to take my whole car apart and make mm. sure all of it's clean and put it back together again. And then as soon as the depressive mood hits, you you don't want to put it all back together again. You realise you made a huge mess and you kick all the stuff over. Yeah. Right. So I think the the Feywild as a place of extreme emotion as opposed to no emotion is which is the Shadow Fell, I think is really interesting. Because last year I did I did a, I did a spoopy campaign. Yes. It was much spoop. There was yeah. so much spoop. Yeah, so much. Um there was a gelatinous cube and everything. Mm-hmm. And one of the, the one of the things that they talk about in there is that there are people, the people who are in the domains of dread, have absolutely no idea they're in the domain, domains of dread. Yeah, they're just people who are going like, okay, yeah, of course, there's a minotaur that eats people's mm-hmm. faces and spits out spits out the skulls. That's just normal, yeah. And then occasionally you get characters who have developed some sort of sentience and go, Jesus Christ, yeah. what on earth am I in? You know, this is actually madness. That, that was one of the things I thought was interesting was the idea that things sort of got blurry the further they were. It, it was a convenient ex- a convenient way of stopping us from deciding to, to go off to the other side of town and do some bullshit that you hadn't scripted. But the fact that, like, as we got away from the central square, things started getting blurry. You know, you would pick up a can and it wouldn't be the right weight. And it, it, it clearly, oh, yeah, yeah, it, I clearly, about that. Yeah, yeah, clearly, it, it's the things started to feel like blurry background stuff. Like, like flowers were just almost like a child's cartoon of a flower in the background and things like that. Well, okay, yeah, we're, we're off topic, but who cares? This is this... <laughs> we can go off topic. Uh, yeah, the point of that was very briefly. There is a town. Spoilers, the bad guy is the youngest son of the noble. Mm. And the reason I gave to myself, which may or may not have been me covering up for an excuse so you didn't go wandering around the town too much, <laughs> but the reason I gave to myself was he wouldn't know what the rest of town looks like. Yeah, He would know what the square is because he can see it. And he would know what the pub is maybe because he would have tried to go in there. But the rest of town is just, you know, well, they have shops there. Yeah, he'd know what the butcher does because that's where he'd get his meat. He'd know what's in the knickknack shop because they'd probably try and break in, you know. Yeah, and he'd know what the church is because obviously he would attend the church. Mm. That's so interesting because it's just occurred to me that the domains of dread specifically are based on perception, or you could interpret them as being based on perception, you know. Whereas the domains of delight, as they're called, yeah. are based on emotion, and uh, the whole Feywild is based on emotion. Yeah, if you look at them as almost being sort of this opposition of like, I guess fear fear and pain aren't really, aren't 100% opposite to each other, but they're certainly oppositional. Mm. So you can look at... I have a fear of pain, so yeah. You can look at like the the Feywild as, you know, look at the Domains of Dread as like a a mirror of the Feywild to Mm, some mm. extent. See, what's interesting to me is that they say the Shadowfell and the Feywild. And if you look at the fluff Mm. that's 4, 5e, 5e is my introduction to du- introduction to properly playing Dungeons and Dragons. I yeah. played 3 or 3.5, I genuinely don't know which, when I was a child. I, I must have been 12, maybe. And I was, mm. I- I'll be really honest with you, I had just seen the Dungeons and Dragons movie, and because I didn't know any better, I actually thought it was all right. Is that the one with uh, Jeremy Irons entirely devouring the scenery? Yes. <laughs> uh, Jeremy Irons is actually a patron 
of my this podcast. Uh, no, <laughs> no, no, he's a no, he is not. No, he, he is, is not. not. He is a patron <laughs> of the charity I work for. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so far he has not visited. I, I don't want to throw shade at the man, but I'm waiting for him to attend an event so that I can go. Can you do the line from Dungeons and Dragons? <laughs> Which will probably yeah. upset everyone, except me. I'll be happy. Yeah, you'll be happy. I feel very much that this is a sort of uh, an Aladrin thing to do. Like, yeah, I'm happy. Who cares? <laughs> You've to, get to come round to come round to where we were initially. You were saying that for the back the background, yeah. you had chosen Urban Bounty Hunter. Urban Bounty Hunter for yours. See, I chose Far Traveler, which again, yeah, that makes someone sense. Someone from uh, very much the same way Ashley Johnson is doing a critical role. Someone who is from another plane. Mm. doesn't really understand how things work. I mean, for the personality traits I've got, I have a strong code of honour or sense of propriety that others don't comprehend. I express affection or contempt in ways that are unfamiliar to others. Ideals, suspicious. I must be careful for I have no way of telling friend from foe here. My freedom is my most precious possession. I'll never let anyone take it from me again. And flaws, I don't take kindly to some of the actions and motivations of the people from this land because these folk are different from me. Now, mostly I just went All right, with Nigel the things. Farage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm racist against everyone. Um, I have a character who is a Horizon Walker Ranger, and the thing is, is that his mum's druid, and his dad's uh, Oath of the Watcher's paladin. He is convinced that people belong on their own plane. Because that's their environment of evolutionary adaptation. Why would a planar being not be in its own plane? So he views Genasi, Tieflings, Asimar as like, why did someone do that? As an, an aberration in the sense that... They shouldn't be there. They shouldn't be there yeah. because the other planar beings shouldn't have been here in the first place. They're not going, get out of my plane. You They're know? just confused and... It's, at the same time... I want that character to sort of ride that line of is this actual xenophobia? Not because I'm actually xenophobic, but because I think you know, I think it's one it's, of those, it's a great way of creating conflict in a story. It's I mean, one of those know. things where I, th I think like it would be a sort of session session zero safety check is like yes, if everybody course. if everybody else in the session is okay with discussing. Yeah, if it's okay with sort of discussing He's and not. dealing with those things, then it would be an interesting thing to sort of I don't know if explore is the right word, but it, part of his character arc is oh things coming in from other planes is actually natural or, or is a normal thing that can happen, and my understanding of it has been tainted. One of the things about a character is that if you create a perfect character, you've actually created a boring yeah. campaign for yourself because what growth are they going to have? Like, th this character exploring the world and going, look at all these plane-touched people, and coming to terms with the fact that the planes do touch upon the, the material plane. Well, that's the thing, is, like, in order to have your character grow, mm. they have to have a problem to overcome. Mm. That, again, that, that can be an external problem that they're fighting against, but you can also do the thing of having a character who has an internal conflict that gets resolved, you know. Absolutely. I'm just loading up the character app because I've realised that it's kept my personality traits and ideals but not bonds and flaws. Oh, okay. So I'm just going to put those in. Yeah. For when you're making a character, you don't have to use the things that are in the book for an urban bounty hunter or for um, Far Traveller. They're just suggestions. Yeah. What I was going to say though is that in Wild Beyond the Witchlight, there is an alternative background which is Fey Lost. Okay. For people who've become lost in the Feywild. And I wondered if you could almost mirror that so that 
they're Feylost because yeah. they're lost from the Feywild. Yeah, one of the original the one of the original builds that I had when I was looking at three levels of monk and two level of ranger. One of the things that I was looking at was this idea that you know this character is a hunter from the Feywild mm-hmm. who is looking for people who have escaped to the Prime Material Plane. So their racial enemy would be Fey because they would be there to hunt things yeah, that yeah. shouldn't be outside of the Feywild. That was one of the original builds that I had. I think because we had specifically chosen the shadow stuff and a lot of the spells and abilities, that a lot of the extra spells and abilities that they have specifically because they are way of shadow are to do with hiding and being hidden and things Mm -hmm. like that. Like It seemed to make more sense that it's someone who is hiding from a tracker than it is someone who is doing the tracking. I mean, I kind of went full... Batman with the yeah uh, to to defeat the darkness I must become the darkness. I mean, kind of why thing. wouldn't you <laughs> just go if you can I mean, if, if you, you can, can go full Batman be Batman? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we say that. <laughs> <laughs> if I was a multi-billionaire, I don't think my first thought would be right. I need to sort out crime by dressing yeah. up in a in a neoprene suit and punching <laughs> people with difficult circumstances in the face. Yes, because you know. A lot of people who even get involved in crime are mm. incredibly disprivileged in some way. Yeah. So if you can be Batman, be cool and have a utility belt and chuck things at people. Yeah. But I, don't well, beat up poor people. I just meant like in D and D. If you can build for Batman, build for Batman. So would you multi-class with your build, or are you just like, no, this is a level one, think, one to twenty monk in your I head? Th- I think the one that I avoided was Rogue because you hinted earlier in the week that you were thinking about taking a multi-class you, in Rogue. The thing is, though... So it wasn't it wasn't specifically like, oh, Steve's reserved that. It's like, okay, Steve might go in that direction, so I'll, I'll try a different direction. But when I was building, I did try two levels of Rogue. I tried two levels of Druid at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought about... There's one of the cleric domains, which is a little bit sort of... Fey ba- a little bit more fey based. Is that I the think. nature domain? Or I is... can't remember. I, I, Mate, I that's might... my face. I might... Oh my god, Frodo, come, come on, on now. Come I on. don't. My See... face is not tasty. No, it... he disagrees. I might have been confusing it with paladin because I know there's one of the paladin yes, things, that... which is a bit like a f- uh, oath of the ancients. Yeah, which, which is, is my which favorite. Yeah. Very, it does have very, very sort of fey flavor to it. So I think I was confusing mm. it with that. I know there are a lot of cleric domains, and there probably is one that would suit it. The other thing that as I, I thought, was looking, yeah, I went. I could have taken one level of twilight domain cleric. And for those who are not, I'm not here to be the Munchkin min max builder. I like knowing about it so that mm. when I find a subclass I like, I can get the best out of that subclass, if that makes sense. Yeah. So if I'm talking mechanically, or more mechanically than Simon is, it's not because I only care about mechanics. Mm. It's just the exciting thing to me about a character build is what is the shenanigan? What can you do? What can I do? Yeah. Right? But if I take in a level of Twilight Cleric, that is 120 feet of dark vision. Mm. Well, I mean, this is another thing that I was thinking of when I was building was uh, it is the way of shadow subdomain of the monk. So that is another direction that you can, you absolutely could 
leaning is looking at at one point I was thinking in terms of rogue you could lean into that sort of stealth aspect and yeah. the rogue aspect of it but not just through rogue there are so many subclasses that have things to do with, with the shadow fell no. there's the shadow touch perk which I was looking at at one point I just one? didn't feel like that would give me the benefits that mobility would it's, yeah. it's another viable option because then it means you've got invisibility to add to all of your you know John Cena shenanigans John Cena? yeah you can't see me uh, <laughs> yeah that's it we're, we're building Aladrin John Cena no you're not okay no. <laughs> so it's alright Frodo is okay he's alright he's okay buddy he's okay Frodo's very protective. He's oh, very, right. very protective. Uh, he is a rescue dog. He is still learning. Twilight Domain Cleric, by the way, someone yeah. will have shouted this when I said it. It's <laughs> 300 feet of dark vision. Fuck the hell out of me. <laughs> <laughs> that That is... And you can share it with people within a certain radius. I'm not going to look that back up. But One thing I did see, mm -hmm. and I cannot for the life of me remember where I saw it or what it was, that there was something, one of the ranger things, I think it was, where it said, dim light does not impose disadvantage. Now, if you are one of the many people who has seen the memes about actually dark vision imposes disadvantage beyond a certain distance where it's dim light you know dark vision doesn't mean you can see in the dark it means no you can see shapes in the dark but there was something that i saw when i was doing the research which i've really got to make notes next time there was something that i saw that was dim light does not impose disadvantage right so it might just have been on perception checks yeah 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 but Obviously, with the fact that Eladrin already have dark vision, that creates a character who, if I've got that right, and it just doesn't impose disadvantage. I'm interested ever, to know what that is. I'm sure it's combat. That would mean that you have a character who doesn't ever have to worry about light in combat. Which, as someone who's recently been playing a human sorcerer, <laughs> is something to worry about in combat because you either have to burn your concentration on dancing lights, or you have to stay within the range of whatever you've cast light on in my case a rock that i throw at people as your dm i feel as though i should have given you one wando light a wand of light yeah but it, a drift globe again i mean we're all learning well no that's part of the challenge when mm. you create characters is as with players you have to cover the bases that need to be covered i think as a dm when you familiarize yourself with your players builds you can look at it and say okay this character can't do this or this character isn't very good at this and so you should never punish your characters but you can then look at it and go okay that could create an interesting situation in combat if you have a character who has archers who are out of range who can see them they're fine shooting at them because they're in the middle of their light spell but they can't see shit outside of their or they're a mm. disadvantage outside of their light range so it's something that you can bear in mind for balancing out combat encounters you know was it not gloomstalker ranger that you were looking at i because... don't think it was gloomstalker okay. ranger I'll, I'll have to find out what it was i want to add a little caveat here by the way yeah gloomstalker ranger has a place in the kind of meta game Dungeons and Dragons is not a PvP type game, so calling it a meta game is a bit gauche. If you were putting together a party of like the best of each class, most people would say take the 
the Gloomstalker Ranger. Um, now we've got the Drake Warden. Some people uh, say that. Mm. Some, I'm, I'm sure someone's going to go. No, actually, if you play it right, Swarmkeeper or Fey Wanderer or whatever. Yeah, Gloomstalker is a cliche in a fashion. You know, for choosing yeah. a, as a multi-class option. But the fact of the matter is, at third level, you get an extra attack on the first turn, mm. and potentially for me with that build, that's three d eight plus three d four. Plus two D four plus two D four, which is such an extreme amount of yeah. damage on a first turn. That if you've got a big target, you've gone right. That's weak. Yeah, remove that and it's mop up time. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's it's sort of like the uh, sorcerer three fighter two build where you just you know your first turn in combat it's like you use action surge you use you, know, you yeah, use yeah. all of your meta magic points and you you just pull so much bullshit to level <laughs> one huge enemy and it, that's Is what it can, not sorcerer three fighter two yes that's it, if i did if i didn't say that that's what i meant yeah yeah it, it obviously it has to be fighter two so you can get the action, action surge. surge but there is so much one hit bullshit you can pull with that build Whereas I said before, I build characters for being able to consistently pull off these tricks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a huge advantage to that character who can go, okay, this is a boss fight, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure style, you know, walk walk straight up to the bad guy, (laughs) beat the ever-loving shit out of them in one turn, and then, you know, like, just turn around to everyone else and go, okay, what do you... Do you want to mop up? What's yeah, the, do you um, want to mop up the ads? What's the f- <laughs> what's the fist of the North Star thing? Oh uh, yeah, uh, you, uh, you are already dead. You, it's something like <laughs> unfortunately you're already something like that. Yeah, yeah, you are already dead. If I knew the Japanese, I would not say. I've got it, it written in Japanese, but I'm not going to attempt the pronunciation. No, I'm not that's either. that's my, my wife's deal. I work as a support worker for an autism support charity, mm. and uh, one of my clients heard me um, pronouncing something in Japanese, and he said, "Don't do that." <laughs> You sound <laughs> the exact inverse of when you see Japanese people trying to pronounce American English mm. on the telly or whatever. Well, that's kind of why I feel bad about the Aladrin's name, because I know the N in the first name, the Anya, yeah. the N, yeah. is it's the N with the accent that they use in Spanish above Tilda. the N. The Tilda, thank you. So you see, I, I don't know if I that's felt, the name of the I accent. I felt bad because I didn't know what the accent was called, but I was but it using it, it to change the pronunciation. In, so. It doesn't appear in English. No, it certainly doesn't appear. In I, 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 I know that there's a. <laughs> I know the circumflex is the one that is the is the hat. Yeah, and then there's the other one, and I don't know what it's called. I yeah. think it's a chevron, but that might just be for heraldry. Yeah, because like, that's the shape it makes. Yeah, I should probably look it up. But yeah, yeah, uh, no, but yeah. I think it's interesting that you chose to use that. I chose it just because of the way it, it's giving an exotic flair to the name. So it's it's sort of clear from the name. This is not her podcasto Eladrine, which was the first version with the working title. Yeah, it's not that. It's not a word you recognise. It's not a pronunciation that is familiar. I think it gives so a really it, good. It, it does. It exoticizes it without sort of stealing from a particular ethnicity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's interesting about that is that it does feel like an ethereal name that you almost sort of mm. w- it, like it falls off your tongue. You don't say Actually, that kind it's, of thing. It's got that sort of elven wobbly flow to it. 
<laughs> Professor Tolkien is just spinning. Yeah. He is spinning, he's spinning in, in his, his grave. Yeah. Yeah. He is. Wow. He's spinning so fast that yeah. he's he's drilled a hole through the earth yes. and is currently hunting me down from orbit. <laughs> Oh, bless him. Right, so did you have any other points that you wanted to raise about the nature of Way of Shadow Eladrin? Um, I'm just looking not... through my character sheet to see if there's anything else. Things you bought with the 100 gold. Okay. And what what was your my, common magic item? My common magic item, we should probably write a format for this so that we do common magic item. Next, next time, though, I say it will be a bit more polished. It is never going to be more polished. No, <laughs> I think we might we might want to do like at level one, what you do at level two, what you do at yeah. level three, what you do, yeah. kind of thing. Um, so my uncommon magic item was. I'm sorry, this is so boring. It was a plus one rapier. Fair enough. The, the other thing is that I would have taken the. Uh, I think rangers get their fighting start at level two, not level one. Yes, that sounds right. From when I was looking at building a ranger yeah yeah they get the fighting start at level two mm. but that also would have been plus four for mm. the dexterity plus two because of the dueling fighting style yes so this this is 1d10 plus 1d4 and plus it, six for yeah. three attacks and then plus one plus 2d4 twice uh, and again, I mean, a lot of my, my background in building characters has been from CRPGs, mm. uh, computer RPGs, and looking at it from that perspective. So when I started looking at 5th edition and I saw the the way that feats worked, where it's just, you know, it, it's just a bolt-on for your character that mm. lets them do something. When I started to see that, I really got obsessed with taking a feat for an ASI and thinking that's the thing that really defines the character and changes it but when we did the frivolo character mm -hmm. i saw how much extra you can get to your stats your hit rolls your magic saves and everything Whoa. especially as a caster so i like you were saying about taking a plus one rapier i mean that's plus one to hit every mm, time. time and the reason i took an asi mm. is if this was a wood elf shadow monk yeah or we were using the optional rules from Tasha's where you can move stats over. Mm. I would have moved that plus one to charisma into yeah into wisdom. And I don't think I would have ended up with as good a build as I've actually got. Yeah. Because the ASI gives you plus one by because it's a plus one to dex and a plus one to whiz. Yeah. So what I'm getting out of that ASI is plus one to hit, mm -hmm. plus one to damage. Yeah. Plus two to AC. Yeah. Plus one to my stunning strike DC. Yeah. That's a uh, that's hell of a lot of things. Easily worth the feat. That's yeah. easily worth the feat. And if like, I'd have taken. Yeah. Sorry, I, the, the point I was trying to make. I do apologise. That's all right. I was drifting. And the, 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 point, <laughs> the point I'm trying to make there is that if I had taken a wood elf mm. and instead or moved that point over, I would have taken elven accuracy for, um, like, you know, special advantage, which is great. Yeah. But I, I would have had a higher AC anyway. From fi I would have gone from 15 to 16 as opposed to 14 to 16. Mm. Hey, I ended up at the same place. My stun stunning trike DC would have been higher. But One of the things that I wanted to say was when I was doing 
my degree, creative uh, creative writing, mm. one of the things that was good about that was they gave us prompts, and mm. sometimes having somebody else say, "This is the confines you are working towards." Yep. It can give you results you don't expect. Like you were saying before, if you were to just say, build a D&D character, we'd both come back with Echo Knights. You know, so... <laughs> you I, set, I wouldn't, but... You set, I limitation, you, you, you set limitations on it, and when you're working within those limitations, you can discover things that you wouldn't ordinarily have done. Mm. I think if you'd had free reign over it and you discovered that, you might have ended up drifting to primarily Gloomstalker for it. I think if you hadn't set those restrictions. There is a very good case for taking I'm saying four levels of monk so you don't miss out on an ASI or feet. I think there's a very good case for taking those first four levels of monk and just running with Gloomstalker for the rest of it. Mm. I also think there's a really good case for taking four levels of monk, five levels of Gloomstalker Ranger mm. and then 11 levels of rogue so you just get sneak attack on top of that yeah the original thing that I was going to make was as a ninja that was my plan was to take a ninja and mm. do the finesse you know and, and have the um, the sneak attack and I'm sure there is someone out there who will probably point out actually if you crunch the numbers over a specific amount of time this does mm. more, more damage overall if you get your sneak attack every turn yeah whereas I'm saying hey I do the thing and it's against one enemy yeah and it's uh, and it's three attacks for the first turn still relies on you hitting them etc yeah um, it being boss focused mm. is not the intent it's that I don't know about you but when I face a boss you know what we call a boss in D&D it's usually something where you go that's actually really scary and I don't want to find out what it's coup de gras is yeah right you're facing mm. a mind flayer if it gets near you it eats your brain yeah, well, with it's, its with its things in in, in contact. Yeah, if you, I could have my monk walk up to it and go, no, 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 bonus action, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> then it, at that point, the wizard can go. He's below half health. You know, it's bloodied. If you're using mm. the, if your DM's calling that out. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's bloodied or worse. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm going to just do some scorching ray or something. I mean, that's the that the other the, the other thing that's nice about this is. Again, it doesn't have to be a boss in the sense of huge, scary monster. It can just be, you know... The biggest, scariest thing in the room. Well, it, it can just be something like you notice that somebody looks like a wizard and you go, I'm not having that. I don't know what spell loadout they've got. No. I'm going to delete them. <laughs> so, And if you're a monk, you can get there. Yeah. And you can, you know, you're yeah. more than likely going to hit. If they've got mage armor, you're going to have yeah. more trouble, I suppose I should say. Yeah. You can run up to them. They're going to have less hit points. And with my build specifically, mm. on the first turn, you have deleted the wizard. I mean, yeah. the thing that I was thinking about with the build that I've got is you run up to them and you can either stunning strike or more effectively, you can cast silence because of the way of shadow build. And then you've got a yeah. silent wizard that you can just punch the hell out of. Until they die. Turn. Yeah. You and can what's just interesting, punch them until they're dead. Because you have taken the longsword mm. specifically as your monk weapon, you can go up to them, cast silence and bonus action sword. Yeah. So on the first turn, no spells... No, yeah. <laughs> no health. Yeah, D10 of no thank you. You know, add your dex, dex on top of that. Mm. 
And of course, you ch you chose the long sword of warning. Does that give you advantage on? It doesn't give me any plus ones or advantage. the the major ad The major thing that it gives you is it gives you advantage on initiative. Ex you are so definitely going monk, up to that. It means you get to problem solve. You're more way more likely to problem solve for everybody. So yeah, you're, when, you're running up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When you have the intellect devourer or the wizard or the one have that's you ever not the, the one that's not necessarily <laughs> Simon. Yes, <laughs> a unicorn saved me. We may go into it later. I'll put. I'm no. I'm not going to explain it. You'll have to listen to subsequent episodes. We may <laughs> explain it. Yeah. So you can just problem solve. You can just. Yeah. You you'll get in there first. You'll be able to get out there, delete things that are causing a problem. Actually, th that said. I haven't chosen anything that does this, but another mm. tactic you have is, here is a huge mob of enemies that I cannot deal with, even with my multiple attacks as a monk. Mm. I drop darkness, I have spent two key points, yeah. I can punch someone whilst mm -hmm. I'm in this darkness, or I can face step out of the darkness, they're all frightened, and in I mentioned that before, frightened in darkness, stuck, right, in the darkness. And then if there's one thing that you want to concentrate on, you can just go, okay, I've removed the mobs, the yeah. little gremlins, for a turn, maybe two, if you're lucky. I can concentrate on the boss and do some damage and be yeah. a monk and be like, ooh, you can't hit me. Um, and then drop my darkness and go, right, you lot. <laughs> You've had it. Yeah. We we haven't talked much about the the spell side of Way of Shadow, but... Some of the th some of the things that you get, you get from way of shadow, out or trace, yeah, pass without a trace is that's that's never to be sneezed at. You you don't need dark um, vision. I'm sorry. Eight hours you can cast that on another creature, so you can give somebody else dark vision if they're struggling. Mm -hmm. You've got pass without a trace. You've got silence, as previously mentioned. You've got minor illusion, which never underestimate that for creating illusion. a distraction. Never underestimate yeah. illusion. Absolutely. So you've got some really, really useful spells as a whole other side of the character to the run around punching things. Here's here's the thing. I'm a big fan of reflavoring. Yeah. Right. And do you ever watch XP to level three? I have seen some of his videos. Yeah, okay. Uh Jacob, if this comes out after you've had your baby, um I well, hope it's Congratu all... well done. Congratulations, well done. Um and all the best to you and Spencer. Yeah. Regardless um, that Jacob in one of his videos he talks about rangers and he talks about ranger spells and he says I don't even think of them as spells I think of them as abilities Yeah, we're using the convenience of spell slots to talk about Yeah, and Hunter's Mark is almost not a spell you know you can you can see it as almost not a spell um, and in fact Favoured Foe which I've added to my character is Hunter's Mark for free that doesn't use a spell slot yeah. it's slightly weaker and in some cases it's slightly stronger it depends who you're talking to and on what day Regardless, my reflavoring for if I was actually making that ninja character mm. is that my key points would be me putting together powders and like, here's my smoke bomb. Mm. Here is my pass without trace is me spending time helping them stick to the shadows. Telling I them when to really like the idea of just uh, darkness just being a smoke bomb. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes and it, it coming back on a short rest is OK, I can't. Because it makes sense that you wouldn't just have like, yeah, I've got infinite smoke bombs on me. Because yeah. what if one drops, etc., etc. You, you have to one, prep a new one. Yeah, you prep a new rest. one as, as you short rest. You're like, okay, here I'm using my key points to make it. 
Um, and it's in your arsenal. You use it once. That's the kind of flavour I was going for. Hmm. And then moving from that into my bounty hunter. Uh, spoilers alert for the rest of our run on, on, on of the show. I will try and make a bounty hunter as every single character. Fair I think enough. it's wicked. <laughs> like, what? who's the coolest character in Star Wars? Boba Fett. Yeah. Right? He says, is it 27 lines in total in the original trilogy? 27 I to, words. I have to dispute you. I think it's Slug Guy from the new one. I've not that's seen... The coo- no, that's, that's the coolest Star Wars character is the Slug Guy from the new one. Okay. It's not. It's always Oscar Isaac. But anyway... <laughs> but you know what you know what I mean though you see Boba yeah. Fett and you go yeah. who's this absolute bamf in a wicked suit of armour with a laser gun and a jetpack I want to be a bounty hunter Yeah, I want a scar across my face and I can go yeah I got this from a what's that weird um, I got this from Crate Dragon yeah whatever it doesn't matter what it is yeah it doesn't matter what it is I got, got a this scar from something scary yeah. yeah look I've got this melted face because I came face to face literally with a gelatinous cube that's the, yeah. be- the best thing you can make when it was Rogue I was going Ninja and then I worked mm. out no Gloomstalker Ranger as well that kind of like yeah. drop in assassin the, Which the think... dungeon dudes once said yeah. sorry to cut across you no. the, just finishing the point the dungeon dude once uh, said Kelly specifically said I think the Gloomstalker Ranger is a better assassin than the assassin Rogue <laughs> and like when I went there's the sort of plays in my mind sometimes so I was like yeah I could go Rogue would I take assassin Gloomstalker. <laughs> Which is weird when you have a class that is seems to be designed for a certain purpose, like, mm. you know, like the whole flair of the assassin is murderizing things. But then you can take another class and you can build it better to do, uh, not well, not necessarily better, you can just build it to do the same thing in a different way mm-hmm. or some, something that you wouldn't expect necessarily from that from that class. I have another question for you, and I think this should be like our last question to each other, as it were. Yeah. Unless you've got something you want to add, because we can. I don't think I have anything else. I, like, like I say, next time we'll have a list of topics. Yeah, and we'll, I think uh, we'll, we'll we'll kind of go. Hey, what's your background? Yeah. What's the one idea? Of a, one of us will have to do notes. Yeah, it won't be me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, it won't be me. Um, I've got a lot on my brain. Mm, would you? Yeah. Would you p- play this character? So if I kill Cesare, mm. next game. Please don't. But if I did, I like him. He's a dipshit, but I like him. I like Cesare. <laughs> I like you. I like all your characters. Oh, I like Cesare. I like Cesare a lot. Mm. But if Cesare happened to die because I wanted him to, yeah. Would um, if I make numerous mistakes again? <laughs> technically, he should already be dead. Oh yeah, yeah. But. You know, it was more fun not to kill him. Yeah, Regardless, we, we don't talk about do, the we, unicorn. We digress. We digress. <laughs> if, if I kill Cesare, is this a character that you would take immediately? Like, oh, I want to play this character, or this was fun, but I wouldn't play this character. It's not my not my vibe. Having built it and having done the backstory to it, I think I would be more interested in playing the character and seeing where mm-hmm. it goes. I think I would I would enjoy playing it post Cesare because Cesare is so is mm. a magic is a caster focused and I always yeah. like doing something different. So whereas Cesare is very much hide, run away, teleport, don't be there when they hit you, cast shield. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He is the coward's coward essentially in terms of the build. I would very much I think I would enjoy playing somebody who is more crazy in your face mm. like uh, and monks 
you get the best out of the character you get the best out of monks if they are running around the battlefield like a bell end. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, absolutely. So yeah, I think I I think I would enjoy playing it. One thing that did occur to me when I was building it, and this was mostly because of something that uh, something Mark Hume of High Rollers was saying on Twitter the other day, is that he wishes he could play female characters and wishes he could have the confidence to play female characters. Now, mm. while I was building this, initially I built them as female. No. Then I decided to build them as more gender neutral. They them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the thing is with Cesare, a problem that I found with them is they are a charisma based character and I am not a charisma based character in real life. So sometimes <laughs> I have trouble in role play being as outgoing, but also making character decisions like Cesare is going to talk to this person. Yeah. Or Cesare is going to be the one that comes forth and tries to convince them because, you know, the, the character has naturally high charisma, has naturally high persuasion and things like that. So it yeah. makes sense for them to be the face. But in person, I don't always have the confidence to do that. Yeah. So I think with things like monks, it's a combat decision rather than a character decision that you make. So with this particular character, the way that I've built them, it's interesting that initially I saw them as being a female character and it wasn't until the later stages when I thought, would I want to role play this character mm. that I started to think, would I be able to pull off a female character and thinking, I don't really think I have the confidence to pull off a female character and decided to then build them as more the listed pronouns are he them. So, you know, doesn't matter male, doesn't matter gender neutral, but would I have the confidence I guess it's like when you build a character and you say, would you like to play this character? It's interesting because Mark brought that up to say, would he have the confidence to play a female character? And in his case, it's something that holds him back from making that decision. Is that specifically because you don't, you feel that any attempt at playing a female character would unintentionally be a parody or a pastime? I don't Or a so. cliché? I don't think it's that so much as it is just a blanket, a, okay. a confidence wall that I'm running up against. Because for me, one of the decisions I made as DM, I can't, I can help what my biases are, but at the same time, I have to work within the confines of what my, you know, socialized biases are. Yeah. And we meet an innkeep, and I've got to make it up off the top of my head. It's going to be a bloke because of this, mm. how I'm socialized. Yeah. Right. But most of the important characters, I go, can this be a woman? Mm. And so I, I'm quite happy to portray a feminine character. Yeah, because it's a person. Yeah, <laughs> but as someone who doesn't particularly ascribe to the male gender role anyway, hmm. I mean, I work in care for Christ's sake. It doesn't really bother me that much, but I do sometimes feel trepidation about playing a female character because I don't want my partner or your partner, who we both play D and D with, hmm. to go. That's not what a woman would do, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because that's you know I don't want to misrepresent people I care about. You, you don't want to sort of like, you know, get them top of initiative order and say like, right, I boob tittily over to them. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't have done that when you had a mouthful of drink. No, you bloody shouldn't. But <laughs> no, I want to breast boobly across the battlefield. <laughs> I don't want to tip my sword upwards either. It's, yeah. We have a character, Serenity, mm. who is this hyper-sexualized... Uh, I have a character. She's a character in my D and D world. She's a hypersexualized character, and the point is, is that no one ever says anything about a thing, and everyone's just like, "There goes Serenity." Yeah. You know, in my own way, I'm trying to say, "Who cares?" Yeah. Shall we? 
wrap up yeah by rolling the next character okay please do do you want to roll or shall i is this the... i think if you if you roll because you uh, we haven't set up the content sharing yet and you have more i have books i have than i have, I have so more content so we'll do that yeah. if you set that up if you do that we can um, look I, at what I will set that up uh, after we finish recording actually we'll, we'll mm. put a, a, a thing together yeah, but if you roll for it now right randomize mm -hmm. choose level five yep i mean it doesn't really matter uh, choose race, no. Choose class, no. Allow multi-class, no. Allow feats, See, I no. would have thought if you randomise it at three, that means you can then build for five, but you are guaranteed that there will be three levels of that class. But No, so I'm not allowing multi-class. It will only be of that okay, yeah. of that one thing. Yeah, yeah. It, That's fair. But we should do it at three so that I can add two levels if I want mm. more multi-class. And I think as well that then sometimes you can look at what it's randomised and you can think, Okay, that's unexpected. I wasn't expecting yeah. to see that, and you can maybe include some of the other things that it's it's randomised in. Okay, so randomise. Choose level three. We're not choosing the race. We're not choosing the class. We want that all random. Create character. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a warforged. Take bets now. <laughs> uh, rabbit folk. Um, well, their name is Gonad. Apparently, <laughs> it's, it's Garnad. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay, they are a swift stride. I'll try that again. A swift stride shifter. After an hour and a half of talking, that is a complex one. A swift stride shifter bard. We are building a bard. College of creation. College of creation. Okay. So, College of creation. Just before we wrap up, is interesting. Mm. Because it, I haven't got this totally right. At 12th level, you can create object. I think it's 12th, maybe 15th. Objects of any value, including diamonds, for Revivify. Interesting. The College of Creation gets the conjuration wizard type dealie of you can conjure little things. So this is going to be interesting. Mm. And they are a swift stride shifter. Please send in on Twitters or something mm -hmm. you trying to say swift stride shifter swift stride shifter swift stride shift sh bugger it's not a competition you won't win anything it'll just be really funny trying to see people yeah. do it will we be setting up Twitters for this or I think we should set up a Twitters yeah set up some socials and get that side of things going yeah yeah cool and it will be standard array so. yes it will be standard array that's alright not point by this, hey it's still an interesting interesting build my thinking behind it was again it's not rolled stats so it is something that literally anybody who has access to this stuff on D&D Beyond can just blop 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 those are the stats so similar to standard array but we will go with standard array next time standard array means that we can just say this is what you want your highest score in you want your constitution to be 14 yeah. this is what you want your other stat to be and then yeah. you can make up what you want for the social stats which is not how you should play D&D but there we go okay cool thank you very much everyone mm -hmm. uh, we now have to record an intro and put it at the front of oh no I'm giving <laughs> away the secrets you are giving away the secrets big dog do you want to say goodbye, Frodo? Yeah. No. He no, doesn't. he's he's out, mate. He doesn't speak. Silent partner. Yeah. He's had enough. He's had enough. Oh, oh, stretchies. Oh, stretchies for tickles. The stretchies for tickles. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Build Bard Workshop with myself, Stephen, Simon, and Frodo the dog. All properties and settings belong to the relevant parties. Produced by Steve and Simon, and edited by Simon. Music is Dancing at the Inn by Kevin MacLeod and is available at freepd.com. And remember, respect your elf before you wreck yourself. <laughs>